I am thrilled to announce that An Actor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc., all one word. That's K I N D P H A R M S I N C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today we have one of my favorite documentary filmmakers, Don Porter. Don Porter has been crushing the game for so long. Her first film, Gideon's Army, is amazing, as well as Spies of Mississippi, Trapped, and the film we're here to talk about today, John Lewis, Good Trouble. She's had such an amazing documentary career and has won so many prizes at Sundance and is well on her way to taking over the world. And speaking of the world, it's been a very tough time for the black community and communities of color. And I have nothing to say other than I want to listen and I want to be better. And I think we can all be better. And I think this film, John Lewis, Good Trouble, it shows us how to be better. John Lewis was a civil rights pioneer and a living legend. And people really need to hear his story and learn what it means to commit to a righteous cause. Here it is. Don Porter, welcome to An Act of Despairs. How are you doing? Uh, I'm, you know. <laughs> so I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say despair. So, so I'm, <laughs> I'm going to take that as a W. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I should tell for the audience that we're recording this a little bit early in the aftermath of the George Floyd. I mean, lynching. There's nothing else to call it, and the pure absurdity of the madman in the White House and the systemic racism. And I think it's, uh, you know, we're here to talk about your film, John Lewis, Good Trouble. And, you know, it's, it's kind of serendipitous in a lot of ways that this is happening, right. As this is happening because, you know, good trouble. That's, I love that name because it's so, you know, it's, it's oxymoronic, but I know exactly what it means. And I think now more than ever, we need more good trouble, you know, and John was such a pioneer, but you're a pioneer. I mean, what you did with yeah. Trap, Gideon's Army. I mean, you're crushing the Sundance circuit. <laughs> and wasn't it, wasn't your first film, like, financed by Ford at Georgetown? 
Uh, it was, yes. So I was, uh, I'm, I'm a hope for all lawyers that <laughs> you can leave your, your law career and there's life after the law that is actually fun and interesting and fulfilling. Well, Don Porter crushing the game. But before we dig into the work, let's start at the beginning. You grew up and you're here in New- I'm in New York. So yeah. you, you grew up here, right? I did. I did. Born in Brooklyn, raised Where? in um, uh, Kings County Hospital. Oh, I'm in Williamsburg. <laughs> so that's Kings County. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Born there. And then my parents, we lived in the Bronx. I went to Bronx Science um, High School. So I'm like really a New Yorker, you know, wow. through and through. I used to cut school and go down to the um, history museum because it was free and air conditioned. <laughs> oh wow, that's amazing! <laughs> that's what nerds do when they cut school. They I go love to the hist- that. <laughs> they go to the history museum. So, so talk to me. How did the arts? I mean, I know academically that's not what we did at Swarthmore, Georgetown. Mm-hmm. But was there always kind of an underlying, like, what did your parents do? Yeah, you know, my dad was a photographer, um, and he had a studio downtown. Well, it was downtown for us. It was, like, in the mid-50s. Okay. And uh, way over on the east side, you know, there are those carriage houses with, like, cobblestone floors. Beautiful. Beautiful carriage house. Yeah. So my, my father's photography studio was in there. And what I remember the most was, like, the light in there. Um, and, like, that's, you know, where I would be a lot but we used to make super eight films when i was little um we would you know i would write them he would film them (laughs) yeah my sister was always acting in them she was little so you know photography and that kind of storytelling is always part of my growing up and then i had relatives who were really into civil rights so i think it was all kind of circling around in my head um and you know, when I went to law school, I was, I was kind of a geeky kid. So I went to law school and I really thought it would be a way to help people. But then the the law that I kind of found myself doing, it wasn't really people centered, you know, it was like, so, um, you know, I also wanted to like make money. Um, but it it just wasn't fulfilling. So I was always kind of trying to find a way. Yeah. What was the world climate like as you as you were coming out of law school? I mean, I came out of law school in the 90s. So mm-hmm. it was, um, the economy was kind of like roaring. Bush senior and, or Clinton? Um, senior. <laughs> Bush, um, uh, Bush senior, uh, well, 93 is when I graduated. Okay, got it. So right, you know, before Clinton kind of got the economy back and things were very uncertain and I wanted yeah. to have like a stable life, you know, and I think for a while, like stability was the thing to have, which is, does not mean go be a photographer or documentary yeah. filmmaker. But you know, what's funny is even at my law firm, uh, the associates, I was part of a group that made a short film, like at the, so I, I, when I look back on it, I'm like a psychiatrist dream. I'm like constantly making movies. That's amazing. <laughs> my whole life. Um, but you know, I started I, at my firm, I started representing newspapers. So, um, you know, I was working with journalists and then oh, I, so you did have a firm for a while. Yes. I worked for a firm for five years. Yeah. Wow. So Yeah. I, and, I put in my time. <laughs> and then what was the summoning calling card that got you out? 
Um, you know, to be really honest, I have, uh, I had a really close friend who died. Um, she was in her thirties and she had ovarian cancer. And I just remember thinking like, you only really have one life. You only really have one chance to do what's important to you. Yeah. And I was not an unhappy lawyer. I was not miserable, but I was like, but this isn't it. This isn't the full expression of what I want to contribute or what I can do. So I kind of challenged myself and I was like the next interesting, slightly, you know, risky thing I'm going to say yes to. And it was moving to New York city and going to work for ABC television, which for me, it was risky because I was doing well at my firm. I had like a clear path. Yeah. And this just like was the unknown. So I went to ABC and, um, you know, it was, it was closer to what I wanted to, to do. I watched like these journalists, you know, some of whom were really, really, really spectacular. They could take yeah. something really complicated and make it yeah. easy to understand. And, um, it just like stuck with me, the power, not only of words, but I wanted to add the pictures, you know, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to add the pictures to it. Um, and so, you know, I kind of, I stayed in that. Jo- the other thing is I was doing ethics at, in that job. Oh, wow. And so thinking about journalistic ethics, like, what does this picture really say? Who are the people, who are the people behind the pictures? Cause yeah. they can manipulate the pictures. And I think over time that kind of stuck with me that I wanted to be one of the people behind the pictures, you know, that I wanted to add my perspective to the pictures that we all see. That's beautiful. And, and you started the, the executive producer route, right? Yes. Yeah. So that was, you know, um, people always say like, how'd you go from a lawyer to a filmmaker? And the answer is slowly, you know, yeah. <laughs> I kind of worked with other people who were already doing it. And that gave me a chance to see the business side of things, but to also kind of see and really decide like, which piece of this do I want to be in? Do I want to be the behind the scenes person? And then finally I was like, I don't want to be behind the scenes anymore. Like I've done that already. I've been the good girl lawyer. I had like really nice suits. I spoke for other people. I want to speak for myself, but I had to work that out for a while. It took a little while for me to work that out. To to find your voice or to be in passion to, to speak your voice. Um, I think it took a while to say, my voice was was relevant was worth getting out there that I you know I think too many people talk and don't listen and uh I didn't want to just jump out in the middle of really complicated questions without really really having something to say that I had thought about totally that I thought would be contributing so fascinating and then were there journalists or friends that you kind of mentored under or? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, what, what is, and you know, I say this a lot when I speak to like colleges or college kids is every experience you have, you don't know, but you, there's something to take from that experience to whatever your next journey is. So from being a lawyer, totally. you know, like I took a gazillion depositions, you know, what you do when you take a deposition is you listen 
you yeah. to listen to people and to really listen to what they're saying. And that has served me so well in being an interviewer because wow. I'm like, actually, you know, not, I don't just have a list of questions. I'm just like really curious about the subjects, um, you know, working, in a law firm, you work really long hours, you know? So I have a high threshold for work pain. Yeah. 12 hours on sets, nothing for you. Whatevs, you know? <laughs> That's amazing. And At least I'm outside, you know? For, for the younger audience listening, could you give a little context about, you know, the documentary placeholders in the 90s and early 2000s? Because now, you know, long-form documentaries are everywhere. You know, like, right. Go Exotic is like, <laughs> hit more numbers than Back to the Future, you know? The Last Dance and Smash It. That yeah. didn't really used to be so often the case. Right? That is so true. And that I'm so glad you bring that up because now people think documentaries have like street cred now. Oh, they're better than movies. <laughs> when, you know, um, before it was kind of like, oh, it's eat your vegetables, you know, like um, kind of boring, but necessary. Like you, you wanted to sound smart. You said you watch documentaries. And yeah. now I think the craft is just like exploded with, there's so many different forms and like there's a, a lot more creative express, you know, expression. So, but that is a fairly, you know, when I started, when I was making Gideon's Army, um, you could see it in the budgets, right? The budgets were in the low six figures if you were super lucky, like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. Now you see documentaries and, you know, they're seven figure movies. It's like my, my, my younger son said to me once, he's like, it's like a real movie, mom. I'm like, yeah, it's like a real Uh movie. That's amazing. (laughs) And then um, um, talk to me about the tactical evolution of of going from the producing to finally becoming behind the camera. Was there a moment? Was there a film? Was there, you know... You know, I had um, gone... A friend of mine was working at the Ford Foundation, and she came from also a legal background. We had actually been volunteers for... We had tutored kids in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And then we also did, like... um, kind of mentoring events for young law students of color. And so I knew her from that kind of background. And uh, so she didn't, she was at the Ford Foundation giving out money, but she wasn't like a movie maker. She was just like a real person. (laughs) So I went to her and I was like, so I want to make this movie. And I pitched her this like civil rights movie. And she said, no, I don't fund that. But, you know, like, are you interested in any of our grantees? And I was like, I'm interested in those public defenders. Yeah. it was really through that that I swear the first time I met those public defenders, I literally started crying because I was like, um, "These, this is what lawyers should be. They should be." You're talking about Gideon's Army, right? About Gideon's Army, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you know, lawyers should are there. That the history of legal representation is the battle for America. It's the battle to make America yeah. what it's supposed to be. The only amendment. Like the only profession that's guaranteed in the constitution is the right to counsel. Yeah. (laughs) So if that's not fundamental, right, what is? So I felt like, oh, I could marry my legal background with storytelling. Um, But it, you know, I I never imagined 
I didn't really say, oh, I'm a director now. Yeah. I just was like, I want to I want to show you what these people are. And then it took a long time for me to say I'm a director, you know, and um, I wanted to earn that title. So, well, you it, certainly have. Thank you. So yeah. it, took, it took a while. So, you know, when Gideon's Army was, I, I, the other thing I think I knew from my just history working at corporations, working with teams, working with lots of people is I don't have to do everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, as I often say to people, I'm like, I don't have any skills. I can't edit. I can't shoot. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't do a thing. Um, so like I, my way of working is finding people who are really good at those things. You hire well. That's the key. I hire them. Yeah. Big picture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, but that, you know, turned out to be, so I was introduced to like this fabulous, you know, superstar producer, Julie Goldman, um, Matt Hamachek, who's an insanely great editor, you know, and I think like the three of us, we, we kind of marched and made, and what, you know, what I bring is I'm a good listener. And, uh, you know, I think I had a way of getting the trust of the subjects. So like, you know, that, that is what I think I do well. Um, and that's what I enjoy, but I really just, nobody makes a movie by themselves. You no, know? it takes and a village right. on both sides, you on know, both sides. Right? Yeah. And so I really, really, really enjoy finding the right people for each project and like getting us all settled into the right jobs. And and because you ultimately become such a Sundance slam dunk, talk to me about the imperative to do the film festival circuit, because, you know, I know there's a lot of pros and cons to both. Yeah, I think, I mean, festivals are, you know, for, and, and it's interesting because you were talking about how documentaries evolved in yeah. the public. Well, for a while, the only way to get your documentary up on a big screen was really to be in a festival. And HBO would acquire it or whatever. And then somebody would acquire it after. And, and, you know, you were always looking for the TV, but the festivals were really that time. There's, There's two big things for festivals for me. Well, there's a lot, but one big thing is being in the room with the audience. You know, the first time that I make Gideon's Army were at Sundance, the lights go down, and I was thinking, this was a terrible mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember so many times as an actor. Oh, God. (laughs) If you're, if it's bad, it's going to be so publicly horrible. And my piece was hot and my heart was pounding. And, you know, but then after having the audience react and respond and seeing people cry, I was like, they, they get it. You know, they get it. So for festivals, you know, and that's what we're missing so much during this, this terrible pandemic. I know. Like this is part of our lifeblood, like talking to each other and having community around things. So, um, so festivals do that. You get this visceral response from your audience and you see the power of story, right? You see what happens and that you, you, we sometimes need reminders that this work is important because it's hard <laughs> to get things done. 
I know for a lot of writers and filmmakers, I think even actors, there's a Sundance lab. Is there one for documentary filmmakers? There is. There's a great lab that Matt um, Hamachek and I went to where you spend about two weeks on the Sundance Institute campus, you know, in Utah. It's gorgeous. Wow. And, you know, we live there with some other amazing filmmakers and they have, you know, uh, mentors that come in and they kind of kick your ass and they're just like, what are you trying to say? Like yeah. for real, like what are you trying to say? And it is brutal. Cause it like tears your movie up. Oh, for sure. But, Murders the ego. <laughs> but what comes out was, I remember like Matt, the, you know, I'm gonna check the editor on. We both went back and we were kind of like on fire. We were like, yeah. all right, let's, let's like go for it. Let's go yeah. for it. Um, and so the, the labs, you know, if people are able to do them, there's just nothing like it. It also, you know, it's hard for artists to be removed from their lives to just focus on the work because, you know, you got to go on the auditions. Yeah, you got to totally. go meet your manager. You got to talk yeah. blah, 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 blah. And a lot of it is not about the work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the other stuff. <laughs> so when you're in a lab, you know, I was like, I love my kids, but, you know, no kids, no yeah. house cleaning, no laundry, no whatever. And it was just like, dig in and really think about what you want to say and how yeah. you want to say it. And so uh, that was like the most incredible gift to be able to do that. That's so beautiful. And then I'm, I'm curious to ask you, expounding on that, topically, you know, it's your first film seems like a very logical progression of, of being a lawyer and switching to becoming a filmmaker and kind of yeah. a meta way you make a documentary about not so much the act itself, but other lawyers. And so then topically, how did you choose what interested you next on your other films? Um, You know, so I trapped came, I think if you're particularly, if you're a documentary person, you have to be obsessed with your topic (laughs) because it's going to take you years. You have to be willing to live, eat, sleep, breathe, think about it all day long, every day. So trapped was, you know, being a lawyer, I started to understand what was happening across the country with reproductive rights laws and that it was like happening in plain sight and we weren't seeing it all be put together. So what I wanted to do was like show it's not just happening in Mississippi, it's happening all over, but also like that's the blueprint for how all of our rights are taken away. I mean, voting rights, like it is not an accident that we are where we are. The, the same strategies used to take away yeah, women's suppression. reproductive rights oh. are used for voter suppression. Same yeah. things. Yeah. So in some ways, I feel like the movies I'm making, in some ways they're all about the same thing. <laughs> I know I know exactly what you mean. You know, you know they're just totally. like, they're like how some people with power want to take it from other the people. oppression of humans right. yeah. um, systemically and right. patriarchally you know set it uh-huh. to a score yeah <laughs> make, so. make a little bit of money and expose those motherfuckers exactly <laughs> exactly so um so then obviously you know you're very beautiful and you, and you grew up in new york and i imagine you know being a person of color you had an idea of who john lewis was you know, I did, but really, um, the thing that um, had me thinking about John Lewis in a different way was um, 
I did the series Bobby Kennedy for president. Yeah. Um, and like all archive, mostly archive. And um, I wanted to do that because I, I didn't want to be like the filmmaker who always does the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. And also like, you knew, you know, I want to have a career and a yeah. career means versatility. Exactly. Yeah. So, but when we did the interview for John Lewis, um, he, he like told, I didn't realize that he set up the speech in Indianapolis the day that Martin Luther King was murdered. John Lewis was the person who organized Bobby Kennedy's speech and Bobby Kennedy's white advisors were saying, it's too dangerous. People will riot. You can't go. And John Lewis said, you absolutely must go. You must yeah. talk to people. And Indianapolis is one of the only cities that did not have rioting, that did not burn that night. Wow. And I thought, how much else has John Lewis done that we're not focusing on? So um, CNN came to me and said, would you want to, you know, they had had a lot of success with the RBG documentary. Yeah. And they said, I guess they were in the market for 80-year-olds, you know, impactful 80-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> so that's their new lane. Um, so CNN is yeah. handling the distribution? Yeah. So, so the movie will be on CNN in September, um, right before the election. Got so it. that's important. And then we'll, we'll be out July 3rd on streaming um, beforehand. So, okay. And, and yeah. wasn't John Lewis so sad to say, wasn't he at the assassination of Bobby Kennedy? He was. He was upstairs in the hotel. This guy is just, he's part of the big six. He's with I the know. He's I know. like a, a living it's legend. Insane. Yeah. He, is, he really is. And he's seen so much. And, you know, um, so this, I, I think also like the movies you're making reflect where you are in your life. Yeah. And like, during Gideon's Army and Trapped, I was in like the, yeah, let's get out in the streets. Yeah. And I think like John Lewis movie, and also I'm making this movie right now about Pete Sousa, um, Obama's White House photographer. Oh. Um, and so that's also like a nice little pivot. Um, but I think that those movies are about um, how do we continue to speak? What yeah. ways do we continue to show up? Yeah. Um, and there's lots of different ways to do that. So that's amazing. And then, you know, John Lewis, like going back to what I just said, being such an icon, yeah. you know, I think a documentary, it requires such immense trust, almost like, you know, the trust you have with a family member. So I met, you know, he seems like a very nice guy, but, you know, he's a living legend. I'm sure yeah. there's 5 million people that have approached him. How did you? sell the the story and, and doing it together. You know, I think he was just ready, you know? I, I, he had written a couple books, too, He had right? written a couple books, yeah. um, and his books are really, really good. And um, I think he knew what I wanted to do, which is I, I didn't want him to be a postage stamp, you know? Yeah. I didn't want him to be a character in history. I wanted yeah. to make the point that he is out there today voting on bills, talking to, you know, mentoring freshman Congress, mentoring AOC and Ayanna Presley and all the freshmen. Sit, sitting in on, on when the Republicans are trying sitting, to do sing. Holding yeah. a sit-in, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, speaking up and speaking out. And I also wanted to show, John Lewis is known for being brave, right? Like we see him on that bridge being hosed down. But what he also is, is strategic and you know, a, yeah. he's strategic as a legislator. He's, you know, 
cosign, don't ask, don't tell, you know, like he's just like talked about rights for all people, for women, for, you know, against, for gun control, for anti-LGBT discrimination, you know, so um, I wanted to show how much thought went in to, you know, so like we have video in the film of a very young John Lewis going through training sessions. Yeah, it was amazing. To do protests. Yeah. And and so, you know, I was like, it's really important to show that these didn't just spring out of the air. These kids, yeah. and they were kids, they were like 18, 19 years old, a lot of them. They, week after week after week, you know, people give teenagers a bad name. Like, these kids showed yeah. up in a church basement on their own to figure out how they were going to insist on civil rights reforms. Yeah. So totally. it's like, you know, it, you know, it's what, like what president Obama said today is like, it's not either protest or politics. It's both. You yeah. need both. You need people to be speaking and you need people to be legislating. And for John Lewis to have traveled so that he's doing both. I mean, like that's a good life, right? Totally. So, and I, Going back to the living legend thing, you know, like you said, there's no shortage of material, which yeah. is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. So how, did, how did you find the edit? Um, you know, we wanted to follow him in, uh, to, we wanted to place him in the contemporary. So one of the things that was useful was placing him in the context of the 2018 midterm elections. Yeah. And then showing how, um, what happens to a former civil rights leader? Where do they go? What do they yeah. do? <laughs> and so yeah. I wanted to remind people of some things they knew about, but kind of like back it up, like explain how he got to the Pettus Bridge, yeah. explain how he got to be a freedom rider. He was a freedom rider. I know. Got on those buses knowing that he was going to get off into people who were going to beat him. I mean, can you imagine? I heard that one story where he just got beaten for 30 minutes. It was like, oh, yes. yeah. But, but to knowingly do that, it's one thing to go out and say, I hope it's going to be okay. It's another to go out knowing it is not going to be okay. Yeah. And you're ready for that. So yeah. um, so the other thing we did is we ha- I have this great archivist, Rich Remsburg, and I was like, Rich, let's go find stuff people haven't seen before. What's, yeah. What tells you about this man? What yeah. is going to tell you about him as a human? I kind of wanted to make him a person, you totally. know? not yeah. like a Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean by that. Yeah. So it was like, let's like fill him out, you know, as a human. Um, so, so Rich's archive really helped do that. And then, um, you know, like one of the most gratifying moments in my career was he said, there was footage he had never seen before of himself. Wow. And so that was really, really, um, I, I know I felt like it was like a little gift for him too. You know, yeah. um, we had this moment, we were filming with him. We were at a civil rights museum and we were filming as he was walking through the museum and he comes to a display that's about him. <laughs> And he sees footage of himself as a teenager giving a speech and da 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 da. And he turned, and there was a high school class at the museum at the same time. And he turns to this kid and he's like, I can't believe that's me. And he starts talking 
about the day and about, but I was like, huh, that's so interesting. Like as a filmmaker for me, that was so interesting to see him responding to himself. Yeah. With such humility. Like, yeah. So that's, you know, one of the things I did with him was show him young John. He calls himself young John Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) I know he did Young Jeezy's music video, so yeah. Well, so it was like yeah. Young John Lewis. Um, so I think you know. I think you asked like why he did it. So, I don't so know, how- but I, I think he was ready to talk. You know, I think he's reaching a certain point in his life, and this was before you know recently he's been diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, uh, pancreatic, um, right? pancreatic oh. cancer. It's a really tough cancer. He's been going through treatments. Um, so. Uh, <sighs> I'm just so happy that we had the chance, you know, to spend that year with him when he was just an energizer bunny. I mean, I have this like really buff camera again guy and we were filming him on like the election before the election. And he looked at me and he was like, is he going to take a break? And I was like, I don't know, dude, (laughs) like, sorry. You know, like, you know, like when you're with a camera person, like, you kind of can usually tell them. I think he thought like, oh, the guy's like almost 80. It's going to yeah. be a nice day. And it was not an easy day. It was like five <laughs> in an hour. And oh, he just God. was like pushing. I love that segment at the else. airport where everyone is just rushing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. And That's he, amazing. He's so gracious with people. And that, you know, we're... I think everyone has to be trying to figure out what to do while so many people are so angry and upset and furious. And, you know, I actually think about that John Lewis in the airport because everybody who who comes up to him, and I know that he's tired sometimes, but he just gives people a moment to like, he appreciates that people appreciate him. And he yeah. doesn't take it for granted. And that's why he yeah. stops for everybody. It annoys his son. <laughs> and it frustrates his chief of staff. But I think that they know too. Yeah. That, and, you know, he's been kind of inundated with calls right now for people want to talk to him. And that does make me tiny bit hopeful that people are looking for that calm person they are looking for someone who is light and who is positive um so because i don't know how else we get past where we are no i don't think there's anything else the world needs right now more so than your film and and john you know it's it's been yeah it's just been so dark these last three months you know but let's talk about what's going on right now. You know, good trouble. It seems like such a, such a like perfect term for everything yeah. going on in the, in the, the Floyd aftermath. I, I think that that's right. And I think um, for those of us who thought, for those of us who thought these were battles of the past, this is a tragic, terrible reminder that that's not the case. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm just trying to sort it out for myself too. Like, what am I supposed to be thinking? I have two teenage sons. Like, um, 
And I just, I do kind of listen to the congressman and and there were times during filming and I would just say to him, what about this? What about that? I would try to like bait him almost, you know, like, is John Lewis going to say, yes, that's a brick. And he was always like, John, never become like his big thing is don't become bitter, you know? And it's kind of like, don't allow, don't, don't despair. Don't despair. It's kind of like allow people to take that from you, to take away your hopefulness, you know, because then you really, you you really do lose, you know? So I think it's really important. Um, So beautifully put. And what would you say to the, you know, young Dons out there that are, you know, maybe an undergrad and going for the doctor law, you know, dentist, but have those artistic ambitions. What 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 advice would you have for them? Um, I would say listen to your voice, and um, you don't need to go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> don't encumber the debt. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to have all that debt because it just traps you. Um, I think I would also say there's no one path to doing this kind of work, but that doesn't mean you don't need yeah. some kind of skills. You know, so, but for women in particular, I think um, too often people hesitate and I, you know, I hate to generalize, but a lot of the guys just jump in, you know, they have like an iPhone. They're like, I'm a director. (laughs) And the women are like, I need 19 degrees and I need to be prepared and blah, 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 blah. blah. And I I think I would just say, you know, if this is something you really want to do, you can find your path. You know, what are you good at? What do you contribute? Um, Every filmmaker I know will take, you know, an intern or some help. Um, So talk to people. We've all been there. We've all been there, you know, and I do as much of it as I can. So do all my friends. But um, because there's not one path, like figure out what you can contribute as well as what you need. So, yeah. Um, and then figure out what skills you need to have and, you know, don't assume that it's impossible for you to do because it's a hundred percent not. Beautiful. And, uh, you know, final question here, what, what, what advice would you have, you know, because I'm a white man and I don't think anyone should be interested in what I have to say. So this has been a real time for me to listen. Any, you know, from all your, your experience with John and, everything from your law degree, any just kind of general advice for the young people wanting to be a part and help, you know, the black community and communities of color that are disenfranchised, disillusioned, despondent, you know, lynched, you know, it's just, it's just, it is really sad. And I I don't want to end on a bad note, but I think it's important that, you know, uh, as I said, we need to listen. So I think that that's exactly right. And I, I think a couple of things. One is you don't have to do everything all at once, you know, like yeah. give yourself time to breathe and being healthy and mentally healthy is a really, really important thing because yeah. we don't, you don't have to know what you think right in this moment. I think listening yeah. is really, really important. And, and I, I think too that this is a really good time for self-reflection. You know, yeah. um, if you've only got one black friend, ask yourself, 
why that is. Go get some more. Yeah. And then talk to them. I got Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that's so fun. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, last question. Any chances of you moving over to narrative? Um, I would love to do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, um, but I, I just love documentary me. so much. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. This is your meal. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, can you, uh, yeah. Can you give a little heads up to the audience of when your next film might be coming out? Uh, so uh, after John Lewis movie, Pete Sousa movie is being distributed by Focus Features. So you can call them and wow. say, give, give her a narrative movie. Universal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call Ron Mayer right now. That's right. Um, and that is uh, September. So uh, oh, if there are theaters open. It's a great open, year for Don Porter. And so it's my year. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks for uh, giving me this chance to just talk and oh, I'm such also a laugh. So yeah. <laughs> also, let, let's do it again in September when the other one comes out. Love to. Yeah, and I think you will enjoy it. If you ever need a narrator, this voice. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I got so much love for you, Don. Thank All you. Right. Thank All you right. so much. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.